dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. It's November, and we're spending Thanksgiving month expressing our deepest gratitude to you, our mysterious listeners. Listeners like our guest today, Chip. Hello, Chip. Hello. Chip supports the podcast at our highest tier, making him a mysterious master of the society. As a reward, or punishment, we've invited Chip to join us for a discussion of an episode of his choosing. Chip, what are we listening to today? An episode of The Shadow called The Face. The Shadow premiered on the Mutual Broadcasting Network September 26, 1937. Orson Welles starred alongside Agnes Moorhead as the lovely Margot Lane. In 1938, Bill Johnstone replaced Welles and stayed in the role for the next five years. Brett Morrison donned the Shadow's slouch hat in 1943 before passing the power to cloud men's minds to John Archer and, very briefly, Steve Courtley. In late 1945, Morrison returned to The Shadow and remained in the role until the series ended in 1954. Today's story was written by prolific radio writer Max Ehrlich. His credits include scripts for Big Town, Mr. and Mrs. North, and Murder at Midnight. In the late 1960s, Ehrlich wrote for television series like The Defenders and Star Trek before turning his attention to novels. His 1973 horror mystery novel, The Reincarnation of Peter Proud, was made into a movie in 1975 starring future Lois Lane, Margot Kidder. And now let's listen to The Face from The Shadow, starring Brett Morrison and Grace Matthews, originally broadcast September 21st, 1947. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Once again, your neighborhood blue coal dealer brings you the thrilling adventures of The Shadow, the hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcefully to old and young alike that crime does not pay. This coming winter, all home heating fuels are going to be in short supply. There may even be periods of acute scarcity. So in order to be sure that your home is warm and comfortable, it's imperative to fill your bin with blue coal now. Call the nearest blue coal dealer. Ask him to look it over. He'll be glad to and may be able to make recommendations that will help you save a lot of fuel. This winter, conserve fuel by careful consumption in an efficient furnace. Above all, store as much blue coal as you can. Call your blue coal dealer tomorrow. 
the shadow who aids the forces of law and order is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret, the hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, The Face. Nurse. Nurse. Yes, Mr. Wyndham. Why doesn't Dr. Wallen come? Dr. Wallen will be here in a moment, Mr. Wyndham. You must try to keep calm. Calm? How can I keep calm, Miss Rand? I've been living in a nightmare ever since that airplane crashed. Six months. Six long months. With these bandages covering my face. Miss Rand. Yes? Do you... Do you think the operation turned out all right? Of course. You don't sound very sure, Miss Rand. Dr. Walland is a wonderful physician, but... Well, a, a younger man, perhaps a specialist in this type of plastic surgery would... Dr. Walland is exactly the kind of surgeon I want. He's quiet and obscure. With him, there'll be no talk, no publicity. Of course, no there chance. won't. Now you must be quiet, Mr. Wimmer. You, uh, you do think everything will be all right, don't you, nurse? I know it will be. It's, it's got to be successful. I've got to get back to the stage... I was just at my peak when the accident came, Miss Rand. I know, Mr. Wyndham. I saw you with Lona Mason in the Golden Court. Oh. You were wonderful. Oh, thank you, Miss Rand. You... You see how important it is that everything comes out. Oh, here's Dr. Wallen. Good morning, nurse. Good morning, doctor. Well, Mr. Wyndham, are you ready? Yes. Yes, doctor, I, I'm ready. Mr. Wyndham, before we begin... Yes, I told you to begin with, we can't promise you a thing. The face was severely burned, and, and at best, it's a gamble. We can only hope. Well, let's get on with it. Let's get these bandages off. I, I want to see. All right, nurse. Take the bandages off. Slowly. Yes, doctor. Here, Mr. Vindham. Hold this mirror so that you can see. All right. Captain, nurse. Slowly. Slowly. That's it. That's next pair. That's next. Don't you hurry. Can't you go any faster? Stations, Mr. Inman. There's three more layers now, nurse. Yes, Doctor. That's it. Now, two more. Brace yourself, Mr. Inman. As I said, we don't know what you're going to see in that mirror. Now, nurse. The last pair of bandage. All right. There. No. 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 Good Lord. Where is it, Doctor? Where is my face? What have you done with it? Oh, no, darling, what's the matter? Matter? Not yes, all through lunch you've just picked at your food. Then you invite Lamont and myself to lunch, and then you act as jittery as a... Oh, so you're waiting for the curtain to go up on opening night. Yes, I, I know, Lamont. There is something on my mind. I need your help. Well, Lona, we're all old friends. 
If it's a new play you want backing for, count me in. And me, darling. That last show you did was a hit to end all hits. Lona Mason and Hugh Wyndham. What's the combination? Artistically and financially. All the angels who backed that show grew golden wings. Oh, about uh, Hugh Wyndham. Oh, that man Wyndham. Lona, I'm no bobby doctor, but I almost swooned just looking at him. No man had a right to be that attractive. That's quite a mystery, his disappearance. Saw his face in a mirror after his operation and ran away from the hospital. Well, that was a year ago. Amado Lamont. Yes. I, I know where Hugh Wyndham is. What? Oh, no. You found him? You've seen him? No, I I haven't seen him. But I found out his address. And I talked to his landlady. Yes? He, he's hidden himself away from the world, Lamont. He lives in a rooming house in the slum section downtown. And for a whole year, he's never left his room. Seen no one. Good heavens. Lamont, Margot, I'm going down there this evening. I'm going to try to talk to him. But I just can't bear to face him alone. I, well, I I need moral support. You want us to go with you? Yes, if you don't mind. Of course we don't mind, Lola. Pick you up tonight in my car at nine. Mr. Wyndham's landlady for a whole year, Mrs. Hodge, and you've never seen his face? Never. The night he came to rent a room, he had his hat pulled way down over his face. I ate his meals on a tray near the door. All day long he sits in there with the blinds drawn. At night he sits in the dark. Good Lord. Poor Hugh. The man pays his rent regular. It frightens me to death. I wish he would find some other accommodations. Yes, his room, just door on the right. Thank you, Mrs. Hodge. We'll, uh... Call you if we need you. All right. Oh, Lamont. Easy, Lona. We've got to see this through. I'll knock. Who is it? Who's there? Hugh. It's it, it's Lona. Lona. Lona Mason, and some friends. Hugh, I. Let us in. I want to talk to you. Go away, Lona. I don't want to talk to anyone. Hugh, please, for old times' sake. I've looked for you day after day, week after week. And now, now that I've found you, I'm not going away, Hugh. Darling, don't you understand? I want to help you. All right, Lona. I'll let you and your friends in, but on one condition. Yes. We talk in the dark. Is that understood, Lona? We talk in the dark. Yes, Hugh. Very well. Come in, come in quickly. You, I have two friends with me. Miss Lane and Miss Cranston. How do you do, do Mr. Wyndham? You, they're... You don't have to describe them. I can see them in the dark. My eyes are used to it. Right, Lona. Why have you come? I've come to take you back, Hugh. No. I'll never go back. I... I couldn't stand this. Mr. Wyndham, you can't bury yourself away like this. Sooner or later, you've got to show yourself to the world. Mr. Cranston's right, Hugh. And I... Well, I don't care how you look. You haven't changed just because your face may have. You've got the rest of your life to live, Mr. Wyndham. The sooner you start acting like a normal person, the better. You've got to get back with people again, Hugh. Get back to the theater. The theater? Yes. You don't have to be handsome, Hugh. You have your great talent. Lonely. Lonely, I thought... Perhaps if you turned on the light. No, no, I can't. 
Turn on the light here. Put us to the test. Let us see your face. Oh, no. Well, I'm afraid. Be a man, Hugh. Be the man I knew. Turn on the light. All right. All right, I, I, I'll do it, Thelma. But remember, I warned you. I warned you all. I, I've got my finger on the light switch now. Go on. Turn the light on, Hugh. Oh, I don't want to You asked for it. Remember, you asked for it. There. No. Oh, no. You. Oh, now, you. Now you know. You saw my face. There's horror in your eyes. My ugliness sickens you. I put you to the test and you failed. Failed miserably. All right. No one's ever going to see my face again. You're here. No one. And those that have will live to regret it. Mr. Vindham, it's Mrs. Hodge, your landlady. I'd like to clean your sitting room. If you want to lock yourself in your bedroom like you always do. Mr. Vindham, are you there? Funny, no answer. He never goes out. Something must be wrong. I'd better go see. Door is open. Maybe if I just look here. That's funny. The light is on. I better try the bedroom door. Good evening, oh. Mrs. Hall. Oh, no. no. I forgot to lock the door this time, Mrs. Hall. No. I was sleeping and you awakened. Now, now you've seen my face. Pretty, isn't it? I... Women like you used to adore this face, Mrs. Hodge. But when they see it now, they have a look of horror in their eyes. The same look of horror that's in your eyes now. Mr. Indem, I... You saw my face, Mrs. Hodge. But never mind. You won't have to look at it anymore. Mr. Indem, what are you going to do? I'm going to give you a new face, Mrs. Hodge. You and the other adoring women who looked upon me... I'm going to give each of you a new face. No. A new face uglier than mine. No. The face of death. No. Yes, Mrs. Hart. Morgue is as cold as an icebox, Commissioner Weston. Morgues usually are, Miss Lane. Commissioner said something about an unusual corpse you found in the river. That's right, Cranston. Body of a woman. Thought you might be interested in looking at it. Theatrical type of homicide you usually get involved in. Mm-hmm. We found this woman strangled with a sort of piece of wire, looked like gold around her neck. A gold wire? That's what I said. Here, I've got it right here in my pocket. Have a look at it, Cranston. Hmm. It's very interesting. Looks like a cord used for hanging pictures. Very unpleasant, if you ask me. Ah, oh, here we are. Draw number 62. I'll slide it out. She's on the slab under the shroud. Take a look. 
Lamont, how horrible. Yes, it isn't very pretty, Martha. Face beaten so that it's impossible to recognize him. This curious idea the killer had using a gold cord could be some kind of symbol. Funny part of this murder is what the coroner found. What was that, Commissioner? The killer strangled his victim first, and after she was dead, he beat her face in. But why? Why would anyone want to do that, even a killer? Very legitimate question, Margot. Why, indeed? Good evening, Miss Rand. Oh, who are you? I can't see in the dark. I can, Miss Rand. The dark is my friend. Who are you? Why are you hiding behind that tree? I wanted to meet you face to face. I don't know you. Let me pass. Oh, you know me very well. You were my nurse, Miss Rand. I don't believe you. Let me pass. No, you don't believe me. Just a moment, Miss Rand. I'll light a match so you can see my face. See for yourself. Remember me now, Miss Rand? You win. Yes. You looked upon my face once, didn't you? And I saw in your eyes the same horror I see now. But please, I... You helped give me a new face, Nurse Rand. And now I'm going to give you a new face. As ugly as mine. Steve, Miss Rand, your face isn't so pretty. It's growing ugly. I'm giving you a new face. Miss Rand. The face of death. We'll return to the shadow in just a minute. If you have a washing machine or a vacuum cleaner, you appreciate the value of modern labor-saving devices. Now let me tell you about an inexpensive installation that not only does more work, but which saves money as well. It's the new Blue Coal Tempmaster Automatic Heat Regulator. The Tempmaster brings you full automatic temperature control, entirely eliminating trips to the basement with just dampers. The Tempmaster is on the job 24 hours a day, seven days a week, keeping your home constantly at the same even, healthful temperature. The temperature you set on the upstairs thermostat. Yes, the new Blue Coal Tempmaster provides more ease, more comfort, and better heat for you and your family. And not only that, actual records prove that a Blue Coal Tempmaster saves a lot of fuel. A Tempmaster can easily pay for itself in fuel savings in a single heating season. Your neighborhood Blue Coal dealer will be glad to demonstrate the new Blue Coal Tempmaster. There is no charge or obligation. Each Tempmaster carries a guarantee for five years. Only blue coal dealers have them. So look in the classified section of your telephone directory, locate the nearest blue coal dealer, and call him first thing tomorrow. Now, back to the shadow. Hugh Wyndham, once one of the handsomest actors on the stage, has been hideously burned about the face. Half mad, he had murdered his landlady. And now the nurse of the surgeon who operated on him. It is the next day. And once again, Margot and Lamont, along with Commissioner Weston, view a corpse in the morgue. Look, Cranston. Slend. The same thing all over again. 
Strangled with the same kind of metal cord. And the face beaten in. Cupped my men in a crowd. And a prowl car picked her body up on a lonely street. You don't know who she is, Weston? No, it's pretty hard to make an identification in a case like this. It's horrible. She might have been attractive once. Perhaps beautiful. But now... Yes. Well, I guess there's nothing more we can do here. I'll cover her. Let's get out of here, Lamont. Lamont. Hmm? What'd you say, darling? What's happened to you? You were a million miles away just now. I was just thinking. Yes, about what? Gold cord. Gold cord. It's got hold of me, Weston. It won't let go. Must be some reason why the kill... Wait a minute. What is it, Lamont? I've got it. I think I've got it. I remember now the gold cord was the name of a play. Play? Lamont, yes. And the star of the play Yes, Margot. Hugh Wyndham. The gold cord was his greatest triumph. He played it at the Old Globe Theater, brought in the adulation of thousands of women. And another thing. Yes, Lamont. Faces of these women were battered. And Hugh Wyndham's face... Oh, no, Lamont. Wait a minute, you two. Hold on. What's all this double talk about? Commissioner, in a few hours, I think we'll be able to identify your two corpses. I just spoke to Commissioner Weston, Margot. Yes, Lamont. Hugh Wyndham's missing. And so's the landlady, Mrs. Hodge, but... Well, they found her. One of the murder victims? Yes. The first one. They identified her by her dental bridge work. And the second corpse? A woman named Anne Rand. She was Dr. Wallen's nurse, the uh, surgeon who operated on Wyndham. Yes. Margot, wait a minute. What is it, Lamont? There's a pattern here. This nurse, Miss Rand, saw Wyndham's face... We may assume now that Mrs. Hodge did, too. You mean he killed him because women had always idolized him? And now because his face... Yes. As far as we know, only two other women saw his face. Lamont, one was Lona Mason, and the other... Was you, Margot? No. Give me that phone. Phone? Yes. I just hope I'm not too late to warn Lona Mason. Hugh. Hugh, let me go. Let me out of here. The theater outside is dark and empty. But this room is bright, though. Bright with memories. Wonderful memories. Hugh, please. Let me go. No. You wanted to see my face, didn't you? Well, now you see it. No matter where you turn, you see it. You can't escape it, can you, Lona? Oh, you this room. I can't stand it. Take me out of here. No matter where you turn, my face will be leering at you, mocking you with its ugliness. It's you. Please, go away. Leave this room. Leave this room? Yes, yes. Leave it. On one condition, Lola. I'll do anything, you. Anything. I want you to phone Margot Lane and give her a message for me. No. No, you. I can't. I want you to tell her to come down here alone. That you're in trouble. She must not tell anyone. You understand? You. Well, my dear. Shall it be the phone call? Or shall we stay in this room? Will you leave the message for Miss Lane? Or do you want to continue to look at my face? Which will it be, Lona? No 
Hello. Cranston, this is Commissioner Weston. Yes, Commissioner. We won't have to look for Lona Mason any longer. Why not? We found her dead this morning. Oh. Same setup. Strangled by a golden cord. Face batted in. Where'd you find her, Commissioner? In an alley near the Globe Theater. I see. Third victim. It's only Margot left. What was that, Cranston? I didn't tell you. Uh, nothing. Nothing, Commissioner. I'll, I'll get in touch with you later. Margot, he'll try to get her next. Told her to lock herself in. Got to be careful now, careful. Hello, operator. Operator. I'm sorry, sir, but your party doesn't answer. Operator, there must be someone there. Please try again. I'm sorry, sir, but your party does not answer. Margo, are you here? The apartment's empty. Wait a minute. There's a pad on the table near the telephone. I thought you added something down on it. Globe. Globe Theater. You came right down here to help your friend Lona, didn't you, Miss Lane? But now, she's beyond help. Now you and I are together. Let me out of here. Let me out of this room. Don't you like it, Miss Lane? I like it. It's my old dressing room. I had these mirrors put on every wall. I could see my face then, no matter where I turned. As you can see it now. You're sick, Mr. Wyndham. You need help. I? No, Miss Lane. It's you who need help. Please let me go. I can't stand this. Let me out of here. No, no, no. <laughs> it's only a closet, Miss Lane. But as you see, there's a mirror in there, too. And my face. That's it. Try that room, Miss Lane. Go ahead. Pull the curtain aside. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a small costume room, Miss Lane. But there's a mirror in there, too. Mirror. Mirrors everywhere. And my face. Please, please let me go. I, I can't stand it any longer. All right. Very well, Miss Lane. If you insist on escape, I will provide it for you. Oh, gold cord. No. No, no. Who's that? Who smashed one of my mirrors? <laughs> the shadow, Wyndham. Shadow. Last you here. Right. I don't see anyone. There's no reflection in the mirrors. The shadow is here, nevertheless. These mirrors won't be. I'm going to smash every glass in this diabolical room. Smash that living face whenever I see it. Now the mirror in the closet. And now the last one in the costume room. I see the mirror's breaking. I see no one. No man can see the shadow, Wyndham. When they kill, they account to the shadow. You're human, Shadow, and yet you're invisible. Yes. Shadow, please. Please tell me your secret. Tell me how you make yourself invisible. Teach me your secret, Shadow, so that people can't see my face. No, Wyndham. Only the shadow knows the secret. Only the shadow will ever know. Shadow, I beg you... You forfeited your right to any consideration. 
You've killed, you were about to kill. You belong to the law now, Wyndham. I... Perhaps it's best, Shadow, that way. Perhaps it's better if the law takes my life. Death will be merciful quick. Best this way. For death is darkness. And darkness can hide my ugliness forever. Now let me present Blue Coal's distinguished heating authority, John Bartley. Thank you, Andre Baruch, and good evening, friends. If you were going to take a long trip, you'd be certain that your automobile was tuned up and put in good condition before you started. Friends, the heating season is just starting. You're going to demand a lot of service from your heating plant before next spring. Better have it thoroughly cleaned and checked now by your Blue Coal dealer. He has the special equipment of the trained men who know how to tune up a furnace properly and how to make the necessary minor repairs as well. I suggest you telephone your blue coal dealer tomorrow. Remember, a clean, efficient furnace burns less fuel and gives more heat. I thank you. This story is copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications, Incorporated. The characters' names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Again next week, The Shadow will demonstrate that... The weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The Shadow knows. <laughs> Next week, same time, same station, your friendly blue coal dealer brings you another strange and thrilling adventure in The Shadow's daring battle against the forces of evil. The Shadow is presented by the D.L.W. Coal Company, distributors of blue coal. Lamont Cranston is played by Brett Morrison. Margot by Grace Matthews. Your announcer is Andre Baruch. Remember, it's blue coal for finest heating service. It's blue coal for finest modern equipment. It's blue coal for the best home heat money can buy. That was The Shadow and the episode The Face here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And that was brought to us by our listener, who is a mysterious master of the society, Chip, who joins us on our podcast. Chip, again, hello. Hello. And we'll talk a lot about the shadow, of course, but we're going to start with you, Chip. Well, actually, I want to start with Joshua, because if you listen to this podcast, you know that I don't really understand what we're doing. Um, (laughs) So Chip got to do this podcast with us because he's the best listener we have. (laughs) Is is that how that works? Yes, we've done some scientific research, and we have proven. That's cool. (laughs) Chip is a Patreon supporter, and one of our rewards is to join us as a special guest on the podcast. And so we're really excited to have Chip with us and grateful for his support. I knew that. I just wanted you to say it. (laughs) So, Chip, let's start with you. You get to do this podcast with us, and we say, well, what episode do you want us to do? And you pick this, The Shadow and the episode The Face. Why? You know, I knew I was doing this for a while, so I had a couple of shows in my mind, 
And I settled on this because I love The Shadow. It's probably one of the first old-time radio shows I got interested in because it was easily accessible when I was a kid and started collecting cassettes mm -hmm. from Adventures in Cassettes, right, from min Minnesota. Oh, yeah. I used to work there. Did you really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Long story. It's some yeah. podcast about 400 ago I talked about that. <laughs> and so I love The Shadow for so many reasons. But I like this one in particular because it's different. Because we know the killer from the top, and that doesn't always happen. It's not one where there's three suspects and the shadow interrogates all of them till mm -hmm. he figures it out at the last minute. This we know, it's Hugh Wyndham. And I love his name, because I think names are everything. Mm -hmm. And I think Hugh Wyndham, you don't have to tell me anything else. I can picture him. Well, then you, <laughs> then you must have loved the fact that the uh, nurse was named Anne Rand. <laughs> I did. I love that. I love that. And Lola Mason. I mean, you can picture Lola Mason. I love the fact that the writers in this series used names and caricatures like the landlady. She was a crusty old landlady in the slum section. You don't know need to know anything else. I mean, it was a really good economy of the script that they wrote that we didn't have to delve into it. The one thing I was disappointed in, that Shrevey wasn't in this episode. <laughs> because Lamont says... I'll pick you up in my car. And I think it would have been so much more fun if Shrevey drove them. <laughs> yeah. well, I think clearly this writer has a penchant for the dark. This is a very macabre story. So I think he maybe excised Shrevey intentionally. <laughs> that, that sort of a light comic touch might be jarring in this script. Tim hasn't listened to a lot of Shadows, but I think Joshua and I are, if I remember correctly, we're not big Shrevey fans. I don't dislike Shrevey. I wish him no harm. Um, <laughs> I want him to get home at night to his family and, and just live a good life. But He's, he's the mice and men guy. Yeah, he's not always super Lenny successful here. in these stories for me, but... So before we move on to this episode, Chip, tell us, what is it about The Shadow that you love the most? Not just this episode, but in general. What is it that you love? I think it just represents a different time that, you know, I'm 53, so I, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. This formality where in, in this episode, Lola introduces them as Mr. Cranston and Miss Lane. I just love that. And you know he's right. wearing a hat and he's lighting, <laughs> and he's lighting the ladies' cigarettes. And it's just that 30s and 40s formality in society. And I also love, I know this is 47 after the war, but the ones in the 30s and 40s, I mean, it's the depression and poverty and the war. Mm -hmm. And they're going away for the weekend. I love yeah. that. <laughs> just, totally not relatable characters. <laughs> Tim has brought it up before uh, about the shadow. Your first impressions of... There's a real problem that him and Margot just always refer to the shadow as a third person, like... You would both know that he's the shadow. <laughs> well, and then when he shows up, she has the presence of mind to say, oh, shadow, rather than, come on, you're here. And I right. love how he waits until the last possible second, not just in this episode. There's one where she's almost burned, where he waits the last possible second to reveal himself. Takes a while to change the suit. <laughs> Does he have to change suits? Does he have to put that on, be invisible? That well, I didn't you know, know. It's funny because they say in this one that he can't be seen in the mirror, but there's other ones where he talks about the shadow having a physical being. Mm -hmm. There's one episode where there's a laser beam, which was newfangled. And he said that if the shadow walked through the laser beam, it would trip off an alarm because he still has a physical being. Right. But here, Hugh Wyndham says... I can't see you in the mirror. Meanwhile, what about those mirrors? Is Hugh Wyndham the most vain person you've ever heard of? <laughs> well, thing if you've spent time with actors, that's not <laughs> that far of a stretch. That's actually what I was thinking. <laughs> 
the thing I like best about what you just said is the word newfangled. Um, <laughs> I love you so much that you use that. Um, let's start with this. Injuring your face is a really weird plane injury. <laughs> That's an odd thing to have happened in but a plane it accident. It was a burn. Did they say that? Or no, did I just they just said that? he injured his face. Like he sprained it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly he landed on his face. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, also, if you see uh, pictures of uh, planes, especially in the 40s, where they're all just like sitting around tables like we are right now, like they just put a living room in a, inside a shell and threw it up in the air. And <laughs> good luck to you. It's an interesting episode for a lot of reasons, uh, not the least of which is, as Chip just brought up, you know, he doesn't become the shadow for a very, mm -hmm. very long time. And there's two odd things. And Chip just said it. Like, one, if Margo's in trouble, why are you letting her go anywhere? Just stick by me. You're the shadow, so stick by me. So that was a weird moment. And also, all the mirrors thing. <laughs> and then so he broke the mirrors, and then he gave up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that, you mean Hugh gave up? Yeah, Hugh gave yeah. up. He broke the mirrors and went, oh, you got me. That's part of what I love about this episode. I know. I yes. love Hugh in this. Let me start at the very beginning. What I find very interesting about this is on the surface, this is the shadow doing a classic genre trope like the shadow always does. This is the disfigured villain mm -hmm. trope. But there are a lot of little details and moments that make it more complex than that, at least for an episode of the shadow. In most shadows... At the end of the scene where he is revealed to be hideously disfigured, he would instantly turn into a killing machine. And here, there's a one-year time jump, which mm -hmm. is very different for the shadow. And also, really, nothing would have happened if... They hadn't visited him? Yep. They trigger this by trying to coax him back to society. With the best of intentions, they send him on this murder spree. So while he's a hideous killer, you know, strangling and pummeling women until they're disfigured... There's an element that he's pitiable at the very least throughout this. So moving to your comment about giving up at the end, I think we've already followed his psychological journey enough that he was never super committed to this. <laughs> right. He had a list yeah. of five people right. and he killed four and uh, I close enough. <laughs> I mean, that is a dark last line here when he's saying, perhaps it's best if the law takes my life for death is darkness and... Darkness can hide my ugliness forever. Buy blue coal! I mean, it's like, it's a particularly tragic and dark episode. My little jumping in on the uh, comment about mirrors. Mirrors are around much more than you think they are. If you ever do like the little exercise of, I'm going to go maybe a day and not look at myself in the mirror, which I know, why would you do that? But go with me on this. <laughs> You'll find it's hard. It's hard to go around in your just everyday life. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when that line came up in the show, I was not struck by vanity. Like, yeah, there's a lot of mirrors out there. It's creepy. This episode, and all the Shadow episodes, and, and you kind of hit on it earlier, too. There are some loopholes in this plot that kind of make me a little crazy, and that is one, oh, why... here do, we go. Wow. Why'd you let Margot go? He didn't let Margot go. He let her be an autonomous human being alone <laughs> at her house. I mean, come on. I'm just One saying. of the things I love about that moment is that Brett Morrison lets just this tiny bit of desperation and fear slip into his voice when he's making those calls oh, yeah. and realizing, I which like I, I don't remember hearing in other shadow performances, no. he suddenly realizes exactly the point you're saying, where right. like, 
I think I just killed Margo. Yeah, I and, screwed up. And I think that's unique to the shadow to have that moment where I would he's, say that is, he's scared. Yeah, I've never heard it before. I also <laughs> am not a big fan of Brett Morrison. He's okay. That's 10 years of the shadow that you're not a fan of, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I need right. your fan like, badge. That's why I like this episode, because it is different from so many others. Mm-hmm. And um, the one thing that bugged me the most was it took him so long to figure it out. They had just had lunch with uh, Lola. <laughs> they just talked about that they made a lot of money on the Golden Cord. They went and saw the star of the Golden Cord, mm-hmm. and then they saw a corpse with a Golden Cord around her neck, and they didn't put it together until the second corpse. <laughs> yeah, I didn't put it together they either. They said so. Gold Cord. <laughs> yeah, I missed that in the first run through, so I think I have to defend Lamont a little bit there because <laughs> I think it works because we already know who the killer is. So we're not looking for clues. Yeah, I, right. I had that initial same reaction, but then I checked myself because this invokes for me Batman. This is Two Face. This is I, I thought of the Joker, disfigured villains. Yeah, that when I stopped to think, like that is a whole genre that came to follow. Mm-hmm. If you take this as just a murder mystery, it's really the second victim that set up the pattern. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I get the pattern yeah. now. Which, yes, if he had been paying more attention, he might have put that together sooner, but it was pretty quick. I'm glad you brought up Batman. What year was this one? 1947. What year, geeks, what year did the Joker appear? 39 or 40. So it was much Mm -hmm. before this. Yeah. I was just curious if this had come out before the Joker, because you could see this being stolen for the the premise of the Joker. (laughs) But it wasn't, so we're moving on. It feels a lot like that Tim Burton scene from the 89 Batman, where Jack Nicholson demands the mirror and breaks it. That's why I was reminded of it. That scene is pretty fantastic. It's a little hokey at the top because uh, Hugh is just really hitting the exposition hard. I was in a plane crash and it's been however many months. And mm-hmm. But the fact that the director or scriptwriter or whose decision it was to do the unwrapping of the bandage in real time. Yeah. They take mm-hmm. so much time. And we all know as listeners, I'm like, well, he's going to be hideously disfigured. We know this, right? Mm-hmm. It was still suspenseful. They took enough time that I forgot the foregone conclusion that he's going to be disfigured. And when he gasps and the nurse gasps, you should have a stronger stomach if you're going to be a doctor and a nurse, frankly. But <laughs> Yeah, way to hold it together, nurse. <laughs> now we're going to look at this guy's face. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. The dropping of the mirror, I mean, that did yeah. it for me. It's like yeah. he's in yeah. such horror. And I've always wanted to use the word Foley. It sounded great. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant until I started listening to you guys. I had to look it up. But the actual sounds of it were, were great. Yeah, it was a nice little beat of the Foley sold the emotion, which is great. Yeah. I pointed out there were some things plot-wise that bug me, but let me tell you why I absolutely adore and love this episode that I'd never heard before, by the way. Me neither. And it has to do with theater of the mind and the art form. We're never told what his face looks like. The beauty of this piece is the idea that the horror of his face is your horror. Mm -hmm. And that, in essence, is exactly why I love old-time radio. The ability to participate in the artistic process. What we see, what we have in our head is ours and only ours. And it can't, it doesn't belong to anybody else. So consequently, this is a great example of that power. And each and every one of us, what we picture is ours. Now, mine, he looked just like Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, darn it. But you know, but I can't see in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) That being said, 
that little thing makes this a fantastic episode because for that half hour journey, we all are telling our own story. He gives a horrifying clue at the top because he doesn't say what happened to my face when the bandages are off. Oh, he says, yeah. where is my yeah, face? That, what have you done with my face? When he face? said, where is my face? I thought, oh, he doesn't have a face. <laughs> so there was a moment I thought it was like, you know, one of those things from a Pink Floyd video or something. <laughs> or just yeah. this blank face. Or just blank but face. I, but that gave you the idea that this was a hideous disfigurement. Yes. Well, I actually, I actually wrote that down that more than any other episode of The Shadow, this gives you a picture in your mind. Mm-hmm. Like I have in my head, what did Hugh Wyndham look like before the crash? Mm-hmm. What did Lola look like? I thought they did a much better job than in most episodes. Mm-hmm. And I think because looks were so critical to the plot. Mm-hmm. He was a, a handsome Broadway idol right. who was disfigured. And for her to be his co-star, she had to be some beautiful, you know, 40s woman. Because usually in the shadow, I just think, you know, society people and hoods. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. And chorus girls. And I did like in this episode, Commissioner Weston always, sometimes he's annoyed by Lamont, sometimes he, and it seems like this time he invited him in on this investigation. Yeah. Never explained why. Well, no, he, he says, oh, this seems the- like the kind of dead body you'd be really interested in looking yeah. at. Like they <laughs> dug her out of the river and they're like, you know who we should call? Lamont and Margot. <laughs> he loves drowning victims. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't? Yeah, he's very congenial about having them there. Yeah. On the flip side, one thing I really liked about this is that Margot was just invited in. And some of the shadows, Lamont is being very condescending or paternal, like, you should wait outside. Are you okay, Margot? They just both go in and look at it and go, yep. <laughs> well, the, uh, it's funny you should say that because I, I wrote that down too because the other episode I almost picked had Margot almost as the lead. And he's tagging along. Which episode like he, is that? It's called Murder Incorporated. Oh, and yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, he, where the doctor encourages Margot to smoke. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, as your physician, I insist that you start, he says. Oh, why didn't we do that one? Well, <laughs> Future episodes. So I, so I like when Margot has a strongly, because there's somewhere he says, Margot, wait here. And if I'm not back in two hours, go get, you know, help, like Lassie. Go find know? a man. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. Go find a man to help. Right. <laughs> Why he didn't teach her how to uh, become invisible to protect herself. But that's another interesting thing that happens in this him oh. begging for the power. I don't think I've ever heard that before. It's strangely yeah. devastating in that it's moment. It's strangely, beautifully, and grotesquely devastating. Because I thought, yeah, man, do that for him. Yeah, and then you have to remind yourself, oh, wait, he strangled and beat women beyond recognition. Well, that's um, what you said. You, you're, you're a killer. You belong to the law. Yes, but it was his fault for showing up at his apartment, so he owed him that. <laughs> Sorry I sent you over the edge. Here's the power to cloud men's mind. Seems like a fair trade. And we, we all know actors and how dramatic they can be, and I loved you because even in his hideous disfigurement, he was so dramatic. Yeah. He was yes. performing. He said... I put you to the test and you failed. You failed miserably when they saw him in the room. (laughs) And then he says, my ugliness sickens you. He's sitting in a dark room for a year. And this is what he comes up with. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he had a long time to get off book. Way to talk to people because he would hide in the sitting room so the landlady could clean. uh, One other thing that I thought made this episode stand out to me, uh, not just as the shadow, but in the whole realm of old time radio in this 40s period is... Often, women are the victim. Not just in old-time radio, but in horror and crime genres here. But I thought it was interesting here 
He hates women specifically. Hugh does not go back and kill the doctor who didn't successfully fix yeah. his face, but they make it very clear he's angry at these women who once loved him, who he knows will not love them anymore. And the plot recognizes this drive as specifically aimed at women, although they don't use the word misogynistic. It's acknowledging it as a specific pathology, mm-hmm. which makes it feel a little more modern to me. Yeah, that it's it's more uh, because of his behavior than theirs. Yeah. Well, he says, women like you used to adore this face. And when he said women like you, that struck me. Which means the only reason he became an actor and what he loved about acting was getting chicks. Yeah. Which is exactly why we do it. And it sounds, though, like his looks were more important to the audiences than his talent, too. So some of it is this bitter realization. He could fool himself before this happened that the women were showing up in throngs to just see his interpretation of this character. But really, it's because he was devastatingly handsome. Let me ask you all this. Try to describe his face. Tim, what did you see? Uh, like no flesh melting man kind of red goo. Yeah. It's pretty much me. I, I thought like the shape of a skull coming through his burnt flesh. You know, red skull from Captain America kind of look. Yeah. I think it was more skull than flesh. Brown, leathery, flat yeah. with ah. mouth <laughs> and two holes for his nose. Yep. I did spend more time than I probably should admit really working on how does he see in the dark? How does that happen when you lose your face? <laughs> your other well, senses compensate. He's sitting in the dark. <laughs> oh, just because he spent so long in the dark. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking answer. like his irises don't dilate anymore, but he would be, uh, yeah. Classic mole man scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And then when Lamont says, the sooner you start acting like a normal person, that struck me too. Yeah, they were kind because... of a dink to him when they were trying to lure him out of there. Uh, because right. Lona says, be a man at one point. Well, it's, and she says, you don't have to be handsome. You have your great talent. And then she's like, never mind. Go back into yeah. the dark. <laughs> Run <Yeah>. away. <laughs> I have seen some people in my life that unexpectedly showed up in front of me that have had some serious facial disfiguration. Some mm-hmm. serious And at no point did I go, oh, dude, (laughs) you know, like you, you hold it together and and inside you might go, wow, that's, that's a lot. But it kills me that the nurse and everybody's like, oh my God, look at your, like, (laughs) well, partly what, what is with this face that forces you to say something out loud? It helps you imagine the beholder reminded me of a little bit, what you said about never seeing the faces until the end in the twilight zone. Right. The first time I listened to this many years ago, that's what I was thinking doctors and nurses were just horrified by Donna Douglas's face. Right. Mm -hmm. And also it's audio, so you can't just cut to someone visually trying to keep it together and look undisturbed. They have to make some noise to suggest to the listener how bad this is, even though they're doctors and nurses. And I actually thought for old-time radio, they were rather restrained. Like, no one shrieked and fainted, for example. They didn't? Uh, No, there was more gasps. Trying to get your composure. Like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what have I just seen? My eyes, my eyes. (laughs) You could also narrate through the character... I can tell by the look on your face that I'm hideous, or you could do something like that. But that's uh, not possibly. dramatic. Yeah, and the shadow never used narration, so you're wrong, Eric. No, not narration <laughs> like that, yeah. but the character could say, I can yeah. see by your reaction. I love it, because the shadow is this heightened drama. Yeah, it's so, forcing you to imagine some disfigurement that is mm-hmm. so far beyond I'm just, what you actually experience. Right. I'm just throwing stuff In my there. everyday life of seeing disfigurement. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting how they pointed out that this... <laughs> 
surgeon was not very good. Yeah. The nurse is actually like, "Uh, I probably should have told you this beforehand, but maybe you could have found someone with a little more skill in this area. And then he says something very strange. I mean, obviously he's a famous person, so he doesn't want a lot of attention. He's like, no, this is exactly the doctor I want. Someone quiet and obscure right. and in network. Get what you pay for. What, what I did like about this too, and a lot a lot of shows that you guys run and a lot of the shows I listen to, you don't hear this. There were commercials. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The commercials were left in. They were all blue coal, and I, I just like that the commercials were in there. Yeah, the blue coal commercials just make me so happy. I could feel the warmth of the coal. I brought it up to my mother once a few years ago, and I said, hey, uh, do you happen to remember blue coal? And her eyes got big and said, oh, yeah, it got delivered to our house. And blue coal was better than the other coal. and it was, Because it's blue. And then I said, yep, the world's finest anthracite. And then she said, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, are you drunk again? That's <laughs> not her pee. <laughs> All right, let's, we got to send this to the vote. Yeah. So let's uh, start with Joshua. I really love this. I've never heard it before. This is great. I will just say it right now. I think this is a classic of the shadow for many of the reasons uh, we've already said is that mm. its uniqueness while still being completely a formula shadow which is Mm -hmm. great you want the shadow to be formula but all these tiny little differences from what you might expect just kind of give it an extra bit of life and i don't think this is a cheery episode this isn't one i'd like to sit down (laughs) and listen to over and over again because it's really dark but i also admire how relentlessly dark it is Mm -hmm. i mean there's one last tiny dark thing to mention is even lana her last act on this earth was to betray Margot, mm-hmm. and she's still killed. It's like there's, mm-hmm. there's not like a nook or cranny of this story where the writer doesn't find something terrible to happen. Right. <laughs> Tim, I also think classic. I really enjoyed this. On the surface, it looks like some big, splashy, disfigured villain kind of thing. But then under the hood, I, I really found the plot to be this compact, well-crafted little piece of plot machinery. Um, uh, so yeah, I really liked it for both those elements of it's well constructed and also just is fun, which is the exact opposite of what you said, which makes me sound bad, but yeah, I had a really good time. (laughs) I find it to be a classic and I find it to be, uh, very enjoyable for the reason I stated earlier that the allowance for so much participation in the artistic process of not telling us what the face looked like, I think is just a brilliant thing. And the rest of the plot was not so much here or there for me as much as for 30 minutes I tried to figure out what this guy looked like and I thought that was a lot of fun and I also when we didn't even touch on this there's something very gruesome and terrible about listening to them be choked to death oh yeah you know Mm -hmm. it's not anything that we say yeah that was a lot of fun but when you're talking about horror and being made uncomfortable and terrified that certainly did that listening because that was hard to listen well, to. Well, what's great is that it was hard to listen to, and you go, Oh, yeah, that's a lot of choking. And then you find out the mercy they did you was cut away before he beats their face in, and that's what <laughs> right. we didn't hear. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh, I guess I should by be dental faithful. records. And what, yeah, <laughs> Chip, oh, definitely a classic. It's one of my favorites. It's um, one I listen to, it's on the top of my shadow playlist. And I do listen to it a lot because I put you guys or the shadow on before as I go to sleep. So, We're in good company. Wow. Yeah. We put a um, lot of people to sleep. <laughs> one thing that they didn't do, and I agree with you, a lot of times at the end they'll throw in a, a joke like a, like at the end of a sitcom, and they didn't do that here. I guess they knew how heavy it was. You know, sometimes Margot will make a joke like, 
Oh, Lamar, what do I have to do to spend time with you? Commit murder? And then they go, oh, <laughs> I didn't do that here because yeah, it's, it, like... just, it didn't fit. Right. You know what I feel like, Lamont? Getting my face done. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they should have. That's a really good last line. That's a Lenny Briscoe line. Yeah, this is, yeah right. <laughs> this is way more violent than most shadows. And I, I think that's what I liked about it. And, and it's a classic. Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That's where you'll find other episodes of this podcast. You'll find uh, ways to get a hold of us and leave comments. You can leave comments on the individual episodes. You can reach us through our contact page. You can find our Facebook page and our Twitter and our Instagram. Oh, for heaven's sake, there's just so much to find at this webpage. <laughs> and when you're done finding all this stuff, you can also go to patreon.com slash themorals and like Chip, become a supporter of this podcast. Uh, we have a lot of great rewards awards including being a guest on the podcast a monthly members only podcast t-shirts so much stuff so much stuff that i've forgotten what else <laughs> that's how much stuff you can also go to itunes and write a review because we do appreciate reviews it helps uh, get other listeners to find our podcast so thank you and chip as you could probably just observe there on skype uh, you can see how i don't know what's going on i'm not <laughs> listening to a word these two said i don't know what you guys are talking about but apparently it's there's a lot of stuff pictures. <laughs> apparently there's a lot of stuff you can do other than listen to this podcast and good for you people and i don't know how chip got here but it's all good <laughs> i think it's important people are paid for their work oh thank well, you so much you were fantastic yeah, you man. were a thank great you guest. so much so much fun i'd love to do it again this is what i i told you earlier before we started recording i don't know anybody who's into the old time radio like me so i just have conversations in my head and sometimes when i go for a run or a walk right. i take you guys with me and i want to jump in and say something you missed this or yeah i think that too or yep. and um this is great well the creepy news is that all three of us should be worried about our job <laughs> because obviously we could be replaced easily you did a great job uh, thank you again chip and what's coming up next uh next we'll have another uh guest listener and that is amy poppy of the uh 12 chimes it's midnight podcast will be here uh for an episode of dragnet called the big confession until then look out death will be merciful quick yeah. best this way for death is darkness and darkness can hide my ugliness acting brilliant thank you